Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to Notes from the Back Row. This is Jenna, and I am here with Dan. Hello. And we are doing a brand new segment, which is called Decade versus Decade. Ding, pew, ding, pew, ding. Pew. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we, we rehearsed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this is a segment that is basically inspired by the fact that it's really fun to tell friends to watch something outside of their comfort zone. We had a whole episode mm-hmm. of notes on the back row about comfort zones. And we were both thinking about just, you know, how do you, how do you get out of your comfort zone? And then, you know, there's all of these Twitter freakouts that happen continuously about people that like don't watch classic films and only watch Marvel movies and all of this stuff. <laughs> And, you know, for sure, there are people that will only watch movies from 1980 forward. There was some guy recently who wrote a whole book and like actively said, I I refuse to talk about (laughs) movies before 1980. I don't even. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No idea. Uh, And then there's also the classic film fans that just like think everything new is terrible. And, you know, they're happily just going regressing not regressing there's plenty of <laughs> good movies but so all of this to say that neither of us are those people yeah but um we do kind of fall into both camps i i definitely prefer movies from before 1980 and i i kind of actively avoid the 80s as a decade whereas dan <laughs> does the opposite yeah and and i do think that one of the things that came to mind when i was thinking about this idea was like I, I think I had seen you review something where, where you were, where you said something about the eighties where you were like, well, I don't like, I don't like these teen movie from teen movies from the eighties anyway, but like this one I kind of liked or something like that. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, not, not that I'm like putting you on blast or anything, but it was just, it got my mind moving a little bit. And I was thinking that it, it would be fun to eh, eh, like, do it, do it by genre because you had brought up the idea like when you said that of in my mind of like, oh, I, you know, teen movies of the 80s. And I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to like compare teen movies of the 80s to teen movies of the 60s or the 70s. And so we came up with this idea together where we would put some genres on a little randomizer wheel and we'll spin the wheel. And then, you know, I can bring a movie from the 80s or maybe the 90s or whatever. And or the 2000s, and then you could bring an older movie and we could compare and contrast or just discuss the movies and how they differ or how they're similar and whether we like them or not. Because because for me, I definitely, I I actually also, speaking of your letterbox, get a, get a lot of FOMO where you'll watch something and I'll be like, oh, that's been on my watch list forever. I really should get to that. 
and I haven't yet. Why haven't I? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> back at you. There, there's so many things that you and Carlo watch. And I'm like, oh, man, this looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like, I mean, how did, how did this movie? Who knew that this existed? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And so I thought that would be a fun, a fun way to go about it, because I like to be assigned a movie to watch or whatever and then discuss it. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so we so, figured we we may as well let's start with you know our our main comfort zones here which for me would be the 60s movies and for you was 1980s yeah, movies exactly. and then we we spun our little wheel and mm -hmm. what did we come up with i think it was a fantasy movie it was fantasy yeah <laughs> and in some ways you would think that like maybe both of us would bring a movie that we've seen and we want to make the other person watch and hopefully love or or whatever but this episode we actually did both did we you hadn't seen yours had you no no and i hadn't seen mine um and let's actually talk about fantasy a little bit i have never really been a fantasy movie guy have, really yeah are you like a fantasy fan it's so funny because I really consider myself a fantasy fan, but then when I go back and look at at a lot of fantasy, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm always like, that's like a, a genre that like you tell me that something's fantasy and I'm like, I'm in. You yeah. know, I always, I want it, I crave it, but there's like just a lot of junk out yeah, there. Yeah, so something happened to me in my life and I don't know what it was. I think video games had something to do with it because- mm. When I was younger, um, like even Star Wars, when I was a child, I thought Star Wars was boring. What? And I thought like <laughs> Lord of the Rings was bo like boring when it was just books, not the movies yet. Um, and like Dune and like all the like even so it was kind of like I wrapped up sci-fi and fantasy amongst one another and like sword and sandal movies. I was just like boring. I was just like a dumb little boy who wanted like explosions, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and at some point, like when I was a I got into video games and I was playing like I wouldn't play RPGs and stuff because it was always like fantasy stuff. And then at some point in my life, I guess in my 20s, I started getting into role playing games and I started getting into like Diablo and stuff that's like role playing. And then sort of now when I think of fantasy, I do kind of get like, oh, cool, like. I am going to go and watch some 80s fantasy stuff. I am going to go watch Willow or I'm going to go watch like the animated yeah, Willow. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like now that stuff or Legend. I love Legend. Legend. Um, so yeah, the, at some point in my life, I guess my head just cracked and it was like, you like this now. <laughs> That's so funny. I like grew up on Legend and Willow specifically. Nice. <laughs> like one of the few VHSs that my grandmother had. <laughs> Both of those like probably inappropriate for the age that I watch them because they're 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 like I don't know there's like a penis monster in Willow but like yeah um and then I also come from a family that is obsessed with fantasy and sci-fi so like my my sister and my father I might have even mentioned this before but they obsessively read fantasy and sci-fi novels <laughs> in the way that I watch movies. Uh, I am not like my I am so bad about read I like reading fine I just like. I have like maybe 13 books a year that I read, which is pathetic. <laughs> 13 is not pathetic. Uh, Holy crap. In comparison, I mean, they're reading I've like, read like one a year. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, so that's why we're the movie people. But, yeah. you know, like, 
So I'm always, and then playing video games for sure. You mentioned Diablo, man. Diablo two was like so many years of my the life. The best, the best. And and so many computer games that I loved growing up from like even like the Apple two days to like now it was like you know, uh, yeah, was all fantasy stuff, and it was all super cool. And so maybe that's like a big part of why I was always interested, even though the movies end up being kind of like, I don't know, like a bit. I guess sexist is just the word I'm looking yeah. for. Like, you know, they end up being too sort of male centric in a way that that fantasy, even the, the I don't know, the games didn't feel so obnoxious half the time. I mean, there yeah. was plenty of obnoxious moments, but but I yeah, guess because I don't know. you could kind of be get lost in it more, more than the movie where the movie's just kind of telling you a story and you're like, this is sexist. <laughs> right. I guess the, the the fact that like movies sort of force you to look at someone's boobs as opposed to just there being a character with big boobs there yeah. is like kind of the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I so I really love fantasy, but but when it comes to movies, it, it is like I, I, it's a genre that I actually haven't spent much as much time in. And maybe I wonder if it's because there's a lot of stuff that, that got that revival in the eighties and I just kind of avoid eighties stuff if I didn't see it when I was younger. Yeah. And I don't know what I like my hatred of the (laughs) eighties besides the fact that it was a terrible decade uh, for like fashion and like humanity is just (laughs) that uh, I, I don't like there, there's just so much, I don't like the vibe, even though I, so here's the thing. I sit here and say this and I'm just like bashing something where if you ask me to actually list things that I love from the eighties, like I can give you like a a major list of things. So there, there is like this, this is why, you know, when you said, I don't want to call you out, like call me out. Like I deserve it. Like this is irrational. Yeah. Uh, I, I (laughs) am stuck in like my mind version of what I think the eighties is like. And and I'm wrong. So I need to I need to broaden <laughs> my horizons and open my eyes and and do that line of coke, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because with me and the old and and older movies, like I used to watch way more older movies than I used to. And I'd like obviously I I was forced to be exposed to many older movies when I was in in film school. And just at some point over time. I started watching less and less of them and started just focusing in on just, I don't know. I watch a lot of trash and there's a lot of like really ridiculous trash from the eighties, nineties and two thousands. And so I guess I just, I mean, there's lots of trash from the sixties too, but I just, I guess I gravitated towards the volume of trash in the (laughs) eighties. Right. Yeah. Um, But when I do watch like older movies, I'm never like, you know, or anything (laughs) like that. I mean, older movies can feel like homework. And I say that as somebody who, again, primarily watches movies before 1980, there is something that's very like easy about watching a movie post 1980 that isn't necessarily the case with a pre 80s film. So I definitely get it. You know, like there you have to kind of fall into a slower pace. You have to kind of understand what you're expecting as far as it can be comfy, though. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Once you get into the groove of it, like I find that like I sometimes find myself now being the person who watches a newer movie and being like so many explosions. When are they going to talk more? You know, like, yeah. So, you know, it's definitely like I I fully understand why people don't like older films. And then the black and white issue, which I think we talked about in that one episode, too, like. People yeah. get so turned off by black and white, but I'm just convinced it's because they haven't seen the right black and white films. 
Yeah, and I I don't know. I've never understood that. Like I can I can understand. I think we talked about it in that episode. I know people who subtitles are hard because of attention, you know, and and like trying to like there's people that have like, you know, accessibility issues with with subtitles where they can't read that fast and so right. it actually becomes like really hard for them to keep up. And so I could totally understand somebody being like, I don't hate subtitles, but I have like a, an issue with when I go to watch them, it, it becomes a struggle. And I can totally understand that. That's like a valid thing. But like just being like, I want color. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't under, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's weird. I mean, again, it's like I've I've been that person in the past you just sort of presume that it, it's missing something and and you know you get spoiled but like what people don't realize i think is just that there was a total art to black and white films and, yeah. and when something is shot in black and white be- and it was made to be shot in black and white and not some mank bullshit where they just turned on the black and white filter on a <laughs> like you know a digital camera like yeah. those look like mud and they look like crap when you see an yeah. actual black and white film where like all of the shadows are like so purposefully yeah, laid, striking like, depth yeah, and, and the the makeup is done correctly so that you know people actually look good in black and white and all of yeah. this stuff and you know the the sets and and everything and and they're also working overtime to make things more dynamic visually because it's in black and white yeah. you know like there's it's just so it's cool man <laughs> yeah I, I will put listeners on blast if you think that black and white is is bad because it's missing something i'm i'm lumping you in with people who are like i can't watch a movie unless it's full screen because the the black bars i'm missing the you know the widescreen it's, i'm missing footage at the top and the bottom i'm just lumping you in with those people <laughs> yeah i mean you know my thing is just like I'll, i'm gonna give you some some light high school bullying and be like what's wrong you chicken <laughs> chicken can't watch black and white movie yeah yeah so fantasy came up and we both picked movies we haven't seen do you want to introduce your movie and why you picked it i chose the fabulous baron munchausen which is a czech film from 1962 directed by carol zeman Mm -hmm. and i chose this because i hadn't seen it i had been meaning to see it 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 looks crazy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Had you seen any Zeman movies before? No, and that's that's a big part of why I had wanted to okay. see this because I, I he is known as the the Czech uh Meliers and uh you know he does all of this live action footage that's mixed with animation. Yeah. Uh and it's really inventive and it's really crazy and it's super cool. Yeah, like and... like amazing pioneering work of of special effects like Yeah. You know, like genius level, like nobody was ever doing this kind of thing at this level, at this scale, at this time, um, which is so cool, I thought. <laughs> it's so cool. It is. It really is like, it's like uh, the, those like 1920s, um, you know, Melier in, in, in French films where they're like these short films and they do something that's really clever, uh, like, you know, like the rocket going into the, the yeah. moon's eyeball kind of stuff. But this is like from the 60s with like in color with like enough money behind it that it is like even bigger in scale and even uh, even smarter. Yeah. (laughs) And it reminded me, I mean, it was so cool. 
well, I guess we're going to introduce yours, but um, it, you know, it, it to further pique your interest, it reminded me kind of of Monty Python animation, yes. which is clearly was was influenced by. Oh, when I turned Steven. this on and started watching it, I was like, oh, so this is where he got that from, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then so my mind went to fantasy. I went to the 80s. I had a couple picks in my head, but there's a movie that I wanted to watch for a long time called Conquest from 1983, which is uh, directed by Lucio Fulci. And I had heard this movie as, you know, described as just being this really, really weird, like vibe heavy, foggy, like painted on the side of a van stoned out of your mind kind of movie. And I was like, well, I have to see this at some point. And so then I finally got to watch it. <laughs> and I, I actually was very surprised watching both of these movies because I was not expecting there to be um, similarities in the way that there were similarities. So I thought they would just be like, okay, two very different takes on fantasy, but it is kind of like two directors who are, allowing themselves to fall so completely into their craft, you know, one of which is just like unbelievably brilliant pioneering special effects. And the other is like just any kind of like monster or creature or, you know, texture or color, very just like hazy, doesn't make any sense and just leans into it. And I just thought it was like very interesting that it's these two very different movies, but they're both kind of like people getting sort of lost in their craft. Just like, I'm going to do it all. I'm do I'm, I'm not going to leave anything on the floor. <laughs> Dude. I mean, both of these movies, the opening scene of conquest is like a wolf man killing a guy, like ripping a woman's limbs off. Yeah. And then an evil, witch make like making love to <laughs> like a, a snake as yeah. she eats like brains out of a, the dead woman's head. <laughs> Whereas Baron Munchausen opens with like Cyrano and Jules Verne on the moon playing a record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so polar opposite, you know, types of but fantasy, it's but it's thing. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, conquest was insane. Yeah. I like I I when you said uh the like vibe stoner vibes on the side of a van like that's literally what this movie is like there's yeah. <laughs> I don't even like is there's like barely a plot but I don't even no. care. Yeah. And and Conquest is like okay it's like kind of kind of 80s fantasy in the sense that it's like okay there's a there's a boy and he needs to become a man and he has this magical bow and he's going on a journey and he's ridding the land of evil. There's an evil witch. She wants the bow. And, and so it's like, <laughs> but like. And if, every it, chick has her tits out. Of course. <laughs> but if, if you had asked me to describe the movie after I watched it, I probably wouldn't have been able to, to connect those dots. I'd be like, oh, no. there's a guy. There's these zombies at one point. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, and this is this is actually a good example of like an 80s movie that has everything that pisses me off in it. And yet I kind of loved it just because like, as I said, all the women are completely naked, but they're yeah. all so insane that like it kind of doesn't like there's no there's nothing sexy about this movie. And for at least for me, if you're going to have like a full on naked lady, like the fact that her face looks like this golden mask of, yeah. of death or something and she's just like just so weird 
like that was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, like it feels sexist in in the same way that the painted van is sexist, where it's like <laughs> it's like a dude painted this like babe on the van with her tits out, and it's like it's a very dumb sexism. It is. It's exactly. <laughs> it's a dumb sexism, but it's yeah. also like I mean. With Munchausen, I mean, when someone says art film, like, that's exactly what I want to see. Yeah. You know, it does, this is it like... It does feel like that. Like, now that you say that, sorry, it does feel like somebody, like, I almost pictured when you said that, like, like Homer is thinking of an art film and he thinks of, like, this. It's just like... You know? Yeah, like a fish being carried off on a balloon to, like, you know, whatever. I mean, like... Yeah, that's it's exactly it. But this is exactly what I want to see. It's like wholly original. It's mm-hmm. a, this mixture of actual painted sets and artwork with live action. That's like completely fascinating and, and interesting. Also, yeah. the plot makes absolutely no. I mean, it's the Baron Munchausen, you know, like they go through different little uh, adventures. Basically, there's like <laughs> it's basically a 60s production of a 1910 silent film, but with music and color. And, yeah, you know, the basic. I'm trying to. There's like a there's there's literally a moon man who gets taken off the moon and he wants to yeah. get back to the moon. And the Baron Munchausen is trying to help him. And meanwhile, this like uh, the Venetian Rose, this woman fa- who's you know from not from out of the moon man's time falls in love with him. And the yeah. Munchausen's pissed off because he's like you know he wanted her and he's more. Uh, I don't know, acceptable because mm-hmm. he's to more timely. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, it's all about them trying to get back to the moon. And in this one also, like, you know, they have to like, they explode a castle like big enough so that it shoots up into the moon. And that's like, yeah. they're, they're solved for that. <laughs> totally. And you're like, okay, <laughs> exactly. You're like, Oh, okay, fine. And like, how is that any different from, you know, these people that just like walk into it who live in a cave and then yeah. you have to cut your head off in order to ascend <laughs> to whatever. I don't even exactly. Know. <laughs> yeah. The th- so for, for me, Munchausen, I, the, the movie lost me in the, the fact that I just don't have any, um, I guess I just don't really care about the Baron Munchausen character like it was weird to watch it and feel like like i don't feel like i need to care about these people and the predicaments they get into but there was just something about the the plot of it that was losing me even though when i was watching it i was always completely enraptured by what was going on visually and i particularly loved it when when it got gaggy yeah like like there's some like moments where they have these almost like spoofy little like jokey cute little scenes like i remember there was a part where they're where they're going off of the moon and they pass like the lady and she's like hanging off of is it a rocket or a broom or something and 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 there's just this kind of like almost like visual gag and i and i thought when it was doing stuff like that it was like really really charming but there was just something about munchausen and like I don't know. I was just like, I don't really care about you. And I think I feel like I have the same issue with the Gilliam one where I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I'm with you. I didn't, I, the characters didn't really matter whatsoever. And I don't know if they're, they were 
meant to, or if it, this is the sort of story that you you're meant to, as the audience know so well that yeah, it you've you know it's like I kind of feel like it's akin to Marvel movies in that sense because I watch Marvel movies and like people who know the comics are like weeping around me and I'm yeah. like oh okay <laughs> well that guy's dead cool yeah. you know like I don't give a shit <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of similar in that way. I think that like it it sort of expects you to already know this and it's really just about like look at this like moving painting. But Yeah. In that sense, I almost wish I'd seen this when I was a child. Yeah. I feel like I would have loved to have watched this as a kid and then just grown up with this in my head as this thing that like I would be the reference point for for all these things that then I would learn, learn about later and be like, oh, yeah, this is actually so brilliant or whatever. <laughs> I know we yeah. have to get get like a fake English dub and then I can show it to my nephew or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was an English dub. Oh, good. Because <laughs> the, the spaceman is called Tony in the dub, it says on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was like a 1964 dub, um, but I did not watch the dub. Yeah, I watched um, it in check. I wonder if I would enjoy the dub. I, so I, I have this weird fondness for like weird dubs, so... Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like the 60s dubs are always really questionable. Yeah. (laughs) That is definitely one of the things that we do better now than we did back then. Yeah. Um, The Gilliam thing. Have you seen the other Munchausen? I actually haven't. Okay. I've seen like all of other, like not all, but most of Gilliam's films otherwise. I, I just thought it was interesting on the Wikipedia. There's a quote from Terry Gilliam saying like, I remember when I was doing Baron Munchausen, seeing a picture in a British Film Institute from Baron Mun- Zemmins Baron Munchausen, and saying, "Wow, what is this? That's great! He did what I'm still trying to do." And in my head, I'm like, "Are you trying to frame this like you didn't see it until you were already making Munchausen?" I feel like your whole shtick is so ripped from this. There's no way it was not something <laughs> you knew you were ripping off. I mean. I'm with you. I agree. I, I can't imagine that he hadn't seen. I mean, he has Zeman did all these short films too. It's not like, and he was well known. You yeah. Know, like this was not, he was not like a little, you know, yeah. that, that little Czech guy that, that figures stuff out. <laughs> you know, and I could understand, I suppose, if you're, again, like if you're working off of Moliere and you're working off of those early 1910 stuff, it is really similar to all yeah. of those. So I could see somebody coming to the same conclusion you know and creating the same thing but i yeah it's like suspiciously the same (laughs) yeah (laughs) visually very 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 close yeah Um, i would say the difference is that like somebody can actually draw in zeman's crew whereas gilliam like pretty much only does collage yeah that makes sense but mostly (laughs) It, it was also interesting to look at like the reception of conquest at the time Cause it just seems like such a weird brain melter that like everyone at the time was just like, this is crap, low budget crap, you know, <laughs> which uh, I, I feel like makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. But like, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I, I, you know, I just watched, well, I just watched phase four last night. Oh, I've been dying to see that. Dude. It's amazing. Well, oh. we'll, we'll, we'll cover it. I'll watch it yeah. again. I loved it. Um, <laughs> But that was a movie, too, that got mixed reception. And I was like, man, you guys don't realize how good you had it. I know. (laughs) And I'm like, when was the time that people and I always I talk about this with with Bart on Cinema 60. It's like, when was the time where people were actively going to see like thoughtful, like 
abstract films. Yeah. Like you would think it was the 60s because there was so much, you know, Bergman was so big or like, you know, all of these sort of classic mm-hmm. film school, art house films were, were getting made and people were actually coming out of film school and, and trying to, you know, ape this stuff. Yeah. And, and it's always like, but were they just going because like they were told this is what to go to? Like yeah. did people actually want this? Cause I feel like what came out of the seventies, you know, you get this really weird mix of like, like conco- conquest kind of stuff where you're like, I know it's from the eighties, but 83, yeah. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. borderline seventies hangover. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels really seventies hangover, but with like an eighties, like, you know, look yeah. to me. Totally. And it's like I don't know. Like when was this? When was this in? Like I kind of love that stuff. Yeah, but it's also I, that Italian trash. <laughs> totally. Phase four is interesting because I feel like when I heard about Phase four, it was divorced from Saul Bass. It was like when I was in high school, I heard about Phase four as like, oh, it's this weird movie about ants, and it's like an ant B movie. And then, like, I went to school and I found out and understood who Saul Bass was. And I was like, there's no way this is just some weird, cheap B-movie. And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, no, people are reevaluating this as, like, a absolutely gorgeous and brilliant movie. <laughs> and I'm like, it just seems, like, so weird that that it was so overlooked. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy, too, because actually Saul Bass talk about the 60s was, you know, he was he did like the most amazing opening titles for for classic, classic films like all half of Hitchcock and Kubrick and, you know, all all of these very well-known films and like the most like memorable opening titles. And like, yeah, I'm with you. It's like there's so many there's so many good examples of directors that are like artists and graphic designers who then make one film that doesn't get received well. And then you look at this and you're like, this is the best film I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There, there was a, uh, there was a Canadian movie eyes of fire that came out recently on Blu-ray. And that was a, a similar thing where the director was known for photography, had done album covers and stuff. And, you know, was trying to make this movie and mix in their sort of like weird, style of photography but in motion and yeah people didn't really get it <laughs> at the time like how do you not get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say for conquest so you were saying about you know you you weren't invested in the characters in munchausen um yeah. that was my big issue with conquest uh i don't really mind um a more abstract film you know like i i don't mind if if it's just the characters are all archetypes and like he's the hero and she's the Mm -hmm. evil witch you know like that's fine but i just felt like it was just empty at at its core you know it was visually so cool but yeah and i don't know maybe this is just the like concept of the show and because it was from the 80s maybe i was able to sink into it and not it didn't matter versus the one from the sixties where, where I didn't care about what was going on somehow that mattered more. I don't, cause I don't, I'm, I couldn't figure out what it was specifically about it, but I think it could just come down to the fact that like Munchausen, and I was completely blown away and admiring the way it looked and conquest. Um, I was just like, hey, like head got cut off or, you know, or, you know, or like, ah, that's a weird bow. It was like, I don't know, like maybe because 
Munchausen was so brilliantly visually. I was like at a distance. I was almost like appreciating it. Whereas Conquest, I wasn't like, it wasn't an appreciation of, of brilliant visuals. It was just like, this is all cool. <laughs> it was I, all yeah, a very base. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I like, you know, Conquest really made me laugh with its dialogue. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's funny. That <laughs> one dude where he's like, he's like, I'm on the animal side. And the other guy's yeah. like, aren't you eating an animal right now? And he's like, well, I didn't kill it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So that's, you're my kind of vegan. <laughs> yeah. The biggest laugh for me is at the end of the movie when it oh says the first thing that comes up after the movie ends before the credits is like any similarities to reality. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no shit. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait, no, actually, that happened to me last Thursday, man. Like, yeah. Shit, turn into a Yo. wolf. It was wild. Yeah, my uncle got his head ripped off, and then a snake lady, like, <laughs> naked lady had sex with a core. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and then he got saved by dolphins and yeah. neon bats. I, the only thing I could think of was, like, is it because they don't want people who, like, wrote old stories or something that this could be ripping from to be like, oh, we didn't steal from you. It's our own story, or I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I have absolutely no clue. I actually, <laughs> honestly, I really wanted the movie to end at that point where, like, there, there's one point where the hero character is like, maybe I just shouldn't be here. Like, everyone's dying, and yeah. there's a lot of zombies, and and I should probably return to the land from what's from whence I came, and you know, just avoid all this. And and the hunter guy is like. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> He's like, you should leave. And he just gets on a boat and like floats away. And I was like, I, I really wanted it to end. Yeah, that would have been a great ending. It would have been amazing. Would have yeah. been like, yeah, this is too much shit for me. Like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I about Munchausen though, I had I did read one or two reviews that sort of said that that it was almost like the inv in the invention of the blockbuster. Um hmm. do you feel like there's anything to to that? I mean, I guess like, you know, that that sort of structure of going from adventure to adventure. But I, I can't imagine that 62 is the first time this sort of thing was happening. Yeah, I guess like from a spectacle standpoint, if you yeah, wanted okay. to say like people are going to Marvel movies just to see like the spectacle of these effects and these things and things crumbling and people flying through space and time and and multiverse and then here's this movie that is also kind of just here's a series of people getting into adventures and going all from the moon to earth and back again or whatever i guess there's a tenuous thing there yeah I, that, that that makes sense i mean it would also explain the empty characters <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean yeah. like this sort of as, as you said it's it's a masterpiece but uh I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing I really wanted from this too was to feel emotionally invested, and and I certainly wasn't. But uh, it, yeah. it's just so visually astounding that like I there's no way, and it's also 85 minutes long. Yeah, it's like why would you not watch it? Totally. <laughs> do Do you think that these movies, in some ways, distill the sort of like defining characteristics of of the fantasy of these eras cuz cuz i do think to some degree it's like yeah like this is the most 60s ass 60s fantasy movie and conquest is kind of the most 80s ass 80s fantasy movie to some degree i i'm on the fence only because i think this is 
visually so much cooler than so many more fantasy films from the 60s mm. and also so unique. Like when I think of 60s fantasy, you know, as like as like I, I think of like all of those sword and sandal movies, really. Yeah. And those are those can be pretty dire. <laughs> <laughs> they might have some cool claymation or some cool like prosthetics, but like they're not nearly this crazy and, and this amazing. So I and in that sense, I think this is too it's a little too unique to to stand mm. in for the sixties. Like Yeah. What what are I'm trying to I'm looking up some other sixties fantasy movies on uh Letterboxd and I'm seeing Mary Poppins. Beatles, Yellow Submarine, Jason and the Argonauts, H.G. Wells' Time Machine. I guess you're right. It, it's almost a lot of this other stuff here is almost more. I don't know. I guarantee it's very visually boring. And that that's yeah. one. I mean, like I just did a whole episode on Cinema 60 about Camelot movies and, and like uh, King Arthur tells. And like yeah. there's they're pretty. It was a pretty dire watch. We watched six films and I mean, I, I had fun with them and I like the musical Camelot, but even the musical, which has like really cool sets when they're singing songs, they're just standing there. Yeah. You know, there's nothing happening with the camera and, and it gets really boring uh, in that respect. So unless you're invested in the musical, like the first time I watched it, I was very like, like mixed on it. And then I spent more time with the soundtrack. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, this is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that the, the sixties uh, fantasy stuff is really like, it's caught between, I mean, that's why 2001 was such a huge deal, you yeah. know, like the effects in 2001 versus something from like, and that's from 68 versus the early sixties is like a major gap. Yeah. When I, when I look at this, you know, page of the most popular fantasy movies from the 60s on Letterboxd. Comparing this to any of these American movies is just, it's so wild. Like to look at Mary Poppins, Jason and the Argonauts, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Love Bug, uh, like One Million Years BC, Mad Monster Party. Like these, like these are all so, I mean, I find that era of Disney stuff like so boring. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like really all is. those movies I named off, maybe not one million years BC is kind of wacky, but I feel like they're all so dry and I feel like it's almost like it's not until the 80s that that kind of like Disney fantasy stuff started to break out of that because like in the 80s, they're doing sci fi fantasy stuff like the black hole, which is like, OK, now you're now you're doing some really wild visual shit. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know what I think you're you're sort of seeing in part, and this is this is both the best and the worst of the '60s, is that you know the whole Hollywood system is falling apart yeah. as the decade progresses. So what you have is this insistence by studio heads to to keep pushing like a 1950s musical style uh, spectacle. Yeah. So like it really takes. Uh, like a hard day's night, I would say is, is a big one because that's suddenly you have a, a musical that was uh, in a, you know, a bit of an adventure film. That's di that's dynamic as far as what the camera is doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, is totally outside of this like idea of what Hollywood knew was a big moneymaker. Yeah. And they're still like holding on to, I mean, like here's another fantasy film is Finian's rainbow, which I mm. just watched the Coppola musical. Awful. <laughs> Horrendous. <laughs> But it's also kind of intriguing in the sense that it is, 
you know, this mixture of what exactly what the studio wanted him to do and then him trying to push through youth, youthful dynamic uh, shots. So it's this really weird mix of super stodgy and kind of intriguing camera work with a musical from 1947 that for some reason (laughs) they thought was really going to be a hit in 68. Uh So like, I think that that's kind of part of the issue with the 60s is that you get this real hangover. Like you either have to have that slight love for 50s stuff you know like you have to at least understand how to read 50s stuff which is a lot of what is unsaid it's a lot of reading between the lines Mm -hmm. and then you have to like and then you get into like new hollywood which is my favorite i mean like my absolute favorite era of film is all of the new hollywood stuff which would be like honestly like from 66 you start to it's this style starts to bubble up And, uh, you know, over to like the early 70s. And that's when I think once the studio has to collapse for people to be like, let's just push through what we actually want to do. And suddenly you get this really inventive stuff. Well, that's interesting, too, because I'm looking at that page still. And when you brought up uh, A Hard Day's Night, my eyes sort of gravitated towards head. And I was like, you know, the monkey is 68. And I was thinking, I know that like, Maybe that's not exactly what we're talking about from a fantasy perspective, but that's like one of the North American movies on this list where I'm like, okay, that was some mold breaking, yeah. you know, like weird, you know, kind of, you know, we're going to take a hammer to our image and do some new Hollywood weirdness <laughs> kind of shit. Totally. I, yeah. And I think that like, you know, the fantasy and sci-fi can get away with a little bit more than other genres do, but yeah, I mean, it really takes it, you get the more interesting stuff at the end of the decade. That's why I think, you know, Baron Munchausen here is is really super cool for 62. But it is so like it's its own thing. So I don't know. But whereas Conquest, like, uh, you know, Conquest to me does totally fall in line with what I expected from an 80s film. But it is better than a lot of the yeah. the cheap stuff. Like there's there's such a clear visual style. And yeah. As you the said, like that, that haziness is so cool and so totally fun. the stuff that jumps out at me on the 80s list is like, yeah, that, that it does feel more of a piece of like Labyrinth, Legend, Willow, Secret of Nim, Excalibur. Yeah, like uh, the heavy metal movie came out in the 80s, Dark Crystal, all that stuff has that like airbrushed feeling, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like because the 80s was at a time where people really wanted all of that stuff. And so that's when everyone was like leaning into it. You know, that's that's my theory. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, that's that's also I, when I talk, think about my favorite fantasy films, it's totally like the never ending story and mm-hmm. know, things like like that. Yeah. Labyrinth I saw when I was too old, so it wasn't Labyrinth. But I you, you watched it. Excalibur recently, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I've still never seen that. I've always wanted to. It was... It kind of reminds me of Conquest. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things where once my brain clicked to like, oh, I like this shit. I was like, I feel like that's got to be on my list to check off. You 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 will not be disappointed. <laughs> it's weird. It's also a little bit empty, but it's totally worth watching. Yeah. Like 140 minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do we want to do like any... Do we want to do like final thoughts or should we do a thing where we like if it's a versus, do we want to like say which one we liked more or should we just leave it at that kind of discussion of the decades themselves? I guess if it's versus, we probably should choose a favorite. Oh, though I, man. Though it, it's kind of funny 
or maybe the so verses should be which one we recommend. Yeah. Oh, that's or, so tough. Or we both make a pitch to recommend our own. Hmm. It's so tough because I love them both so much in different ways. I yeah. Uh, um, I I like I don't I don't have an answer to like which one I recommend. <laughs> I know it's tough. I guess like yeah because we both brought our own movies and I'm trying to think like I feel like if we're gonna force each other to pick one we're just gonna be like the one I brought or I don't know. I know. Yeah. I guess I guess in in a way I think people should watch both of these movies just because they are so similar and yet so different. I think, I think that this is actually a really good double feature. I think people out there should watch both of these movies and do it on the same night. <laughs> I agree. And it's funny for our first decade versus decade, we have a draw. Yeah. Which means that you have to watch both the films. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you have to comment on this episode and tell us what you thought of them. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. honestly, if you we have a big wheel that we're going to be spinning with different genres or different themes that we're going to be choosing the next from, and the decade we could, I think the decade we're just going to pick whatever we we kind of want or or try and go through different things so we don't get yeah. too stuck on one decade. But um, you know, if you have a really specific genre that you want us to toss into the wheel, can't guarantee we're going to get it, but yeah. Let's let's you know if we totally. keep spinning. <laughs> yeah, recommend um genres um and yeah, like like you said, I think generally the show is going to be me picking something like 80s, 90s, 2000s and you, you know, 70s and earlier. Um but I would like to know what people think of these movies. I I hope people that listen will will reach out. We do have an email backrowcineblog at gmail.com. So like if you think that there would have been a better pick for a fantasy movie from these decades or what, if you want to email us and say like, this is the one that I would have picked, you know, to bring to the fantasy episode, you could do that too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or tweet at us, Facebook, anything. Totally. Uh, at Twitter, it's a, uh, back in a blog on Twitter. Yeah. But I think that's pretty good. Two movies that you should watch. <laughs> Yeah, the fabulous Baron Munchausen by Carol Zeman and yeah. Conquest by Lucio Fulci. Yeah. 1983. Watch him. Totally. Um, so should we do our sign-offs where they can find you online? You can find me, as always, on backdashrow.com, on Cinema 60. If you want to hear more about me talking about 60s movies, I have another podcast, Don't Tell Back Row. <laughs> <laughs> That, what? Uh, <laughs> where we only talk about 60s movies, uh, Bart and I. And uh, yeah, you know, check both of those out. They're totally. both great. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Well, I'm also at backdashrow.com doing podcasts with Carlo. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at YCKMD underscore. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to do more of this. I think it's a fun idea. That was a fun chat. So yeah. Yeah. Now, now I have to go put on my spike thong and rip a man's head off. <laughs> rip a man's head off. <laughs> and I'm going to go listen to a record on the moon. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs>